Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Recording live in studio, here's Nick and Matt. (laughs) So, (laughs) all right, guys. Have you ever done something, like, kind of weird and awkward? Well, Evan, myself, and Ben were just streaming to ourselves for the last 11 minutes talking and having a good old time, a dress rehearsal, if you will. We'll explain that. I guess Ben uh, noticed it 10 minutes in that the stream never officially started, but we thought we had. So here we hey, are again. I was bringing my A game, too. I was I was rolling, giving all the stats, it was and just now practice. I just got to do it again. It was just practice. Hopefully it sounds... Hopefully second time sounds better too, you know? The the audience will just have to believe that. Um, I will say this. Nick is not here. He let us know kind of last minute, which is cool, but he's up at GMC at Brewster and Fox, Smuggler's Notch, um, Green Mountain Championship. He's trying to practice the courses and his putting so that he can get in. I guess they have a play-in option. Uh, do you know anything about that? Because I just, I, I think it must be like a five-spot think- type deal. Yeah, I think it's four or five spots would be my guess, and just it—it's the tournaments, of course, restricted to the top hundred uh, players in the Pro Tour standings or top hundred invites, I guess. If people deny it, it'll keep on going down the list. I don't know Nick's exact placement, but uh, it's unlikely he would get the invite outright. So by playing the qualifications, he can get in. There's also uh, tournament qualifications like the Brewster Ridge Open a couple months back. If he had won that, he could have entered in. A, uh, I think was that Casey White who took it down and got the invite, even though he's setting points. But okay, well, we wish the best for Nick. I told Nick if he wins uh, GMC or even gets top five, I went that far. Maybe I'd even go top ten, but then eh, we're starting to get a little bit too close. I said we'll shave. I I spoke for everybody here. We'll shave our heads and our beards clean. And he goes, bro. First, I have to play in number one. And he goes, but two, if I win, he goes. We're all shaving it, and he goes live on air. So <laughs> you guys can root for I, Nick a little bit harder now. Uh, I second that. Nick, I'm rooting for you. <laughs> exactly. I, I would gladly do all that. That's it would just be like, yeah, we just go wild. Okay. Uh, episode 106 presented by Cosmic Disc Golf. Uh, you can go check them out at CosmicDG.com. Cosmic Disc Golf has some really cool things that I think they're going to be announcing. I'm not privileged to say yet, but I was chatting with the owner today, and wow, that's all I'll say right now. So. Uh, Cosmic DG, you can follow them on Instagram at Cosmic Disc Golf. Uh, ben, you're here and you've got your new background up. For those who listen only, you don't always get to see it, but Ben's got a new background tonight. It is, oh, look at that, the Canadian or the Canada, the oh, flag Canada. of Canada. The flag of Canada. little hint for uh, who's coming on the show today, even though it's on in the title. <laughs> but you can never guess. <laughs> yeah, that's right. If you're listening blind, you have no idea who's coming on, but the title says... Thomas Gilbert, and we will be having him on. This is, uh, it's funny because I, now I can go back on how I intro things earlier the first 10 minutes and kind of change it up. At first I was talking myself into like not much is going on this week, this week, but there was a lot going on. It just wasn't all disc golf pro tour related. So you had the Canadian national championships. You had the PDGA masters, which is the Tim Selinski, uh, us championship for masters. And you also had the Silver Series. What's the full name? It's Butler something, right? Like Butler County Disc Golf Classic. Wow. You, I guess if you're from Butler County, it sounds epic. But <laughs> yeah. just, just outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, western side. Very hilly and woodsy, and we'll get to that. Okay. So, yeah, so that happened. Long story short, Ben's got the Canadian flag behind him, and we are excited to interview Thomas here in just a little bit. 
Um, sorry to push this out for everybody. If you're listening post, it's not a big deal, but for us, we've already talked this much. Um, so let's go ahead and jump into a little bit of the stats. Um, Evan, go ahead. I was like, yeah. where are we at now? I've done this before. <laughs> go well, ahead. yeah, start, starting with Butler County as a disc golf pro tour silver series event, the last regular season event, you could say the last silver series uh, event. So last time to get points before the playoffs where the field starts to shrink points matter a lot more though. So we'll see a lot more movement. Um, but Krista Tatar takes it down a pretty dominant victory. Her third win in a row. She won Des Moines an elite series event, the world championships, of course, uh, just a weekend ago, which was a major and now a silver series event, a little bit of a trifecta of tears. Um, she was maybe the only uh, top, let's say FPO player who uh, decided to play this event, you know, judging by like the rankings, only one inside the top 15, only one inside the top 10 of disc golf pro tour points, but she still takes it down in dominant fashion, winning by eight strokes. She moves into second place into the disc golf pro tour points, which doesn't mean a whole lot because all the top four is the same. They all get a buy. Um, but, you know, I, I think she's just trying to stay loose and, you know, getting closer to that winning the regular season title of disc golf pro tour points is cool. Uh, maybe not if she cares about too much, but still interesting. Over on the MPO side, we had Joel Freeman taking it down. Uh, he put on a heater in the final round, uh, maybe one of the best rounds of the year. Uh, it was only rated 1077, which raised a lot of eyebrows. We'll talk about ratings. That ding, 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 ding. Yeah, we're going to talk <laughs> about it a little bit because everyone loves a good rating conversation. And there's a little bit of a splash again. And Pro Tour players are talking about it. And I don't know how far we'll get into it. But yes, a yeah. heater. And I think in the first rendition of this episode, you were trying to figure out the right word. It was like, is this a fire? Like, what What did he do? He took was the course record by six. So I think it was eight down previously. He shot 14 down, no bogeys. And he said it was absolutely the best round of his life, most memorable. And he said it was mixed with luck, where he was surprised on three or four holes, where he actually got some incredible luck to give him a birdie. But he also said he played some of the best golf of his life, and he said those mixed together make for this dream round. So, yeah, congrats to him. Yeah. And, and you know what's wild? He was trailing going into the final round, but wins by nine strokes. Like that's <laughs> that's crazy. Actually, that's something we could look into. It looks crazy, uh, too. Can, maybe not live, but uh, trailing in the final round to the biggest win margin, uh, at least on a Silver Series or up for an event, that, that might take the cake. That's that is an insane uh, little fact. Right well, there. because I knew it was closer. When you go look at the scores, it kind of takes you back a little bit. You're like, what? Like 17 to 26? Like as in those first to second? Yeah, crazy. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then we'll talk about Canadian Nationals, uh, maybe the second biggest MPO and FPO event of the weekend. Of course, we have Thomas Gilbert, the winner of the MPO division. He took it down by three strokes over Matt Bell. Um, Thomas Gilbert, of course, a Canadian, winning the Canadian Nationals. That's pretty cool. Uh, in our first rendition, Matt was like, I wonder the last time there was a, a Canadian winning Canadian Nationals. I still have to look it up. Well, because, uh, and, we and I'll mention it, it again, because it's, it's only... Um deja vu for us not for them but uh paul Macbeth, i believe was there you had nate sexton there in the years past you've had in, simon you've had dustin past. yeah yes. dustin keegan has been there uh i'm just thinking on like the mpo side there's and I'm, I'm leaving out people i'm sure but the point is there's been a really strong presence over the years uh and so mm -hmm. it's we'll talk to him about it but it's pretty cool to see a canadian himself <laughs> we, Absolutely. we didn't line up like the national anthem or anything but maybe yeah. we can see and it. meanwhile 
On the FPO side, we had an American win. Ella Hansen uh, takes it yes. down. Still looking for her first tour win, but she gets a big one here at the Canadian Nationals, uh, taking down a field of Canadians. Like you just, everyone else was Canadian. It felt like, uh, <laughs> but she gets a big win, winning by 15 strokes. Uh, wasn't live coverage of this, but I, I assume she was kind of rolling to the victory in the final round. Ooh. Yes, absolutely. And I want to give her her due. I thought that was really cool to see her go up there. I know she's friends with uh, Zoe uh, Andike, and she's invested in that. I'm sure that was an exciting moment for them. Uh, a few other quick MPOs that I remember over the past at this event, Nate Perkins, Chandler Fry. I, I'm pretty sure you could just keep going on. But but anyways, it's a well-attended event, and the course is absolutely beautiful, worthy of driving. How far, Evan? <laughs> we figured it out in our first rendition. <laughs> Nine, Ten and a half yeah. hours. We were a little bit over, uh, or over expect. Ten hours from Maple Hill. I don't know. More or less. Ten hours from Maple Hill. You can actually go to. So Maple Hill's rated number one according to UDISC. I think Hillcrest is in the top twenty, if not top ten. It's way up. There. I think it's top ten in it. I think it might be like four to six. I think it's number three. Area. Something tells me it's, it could be. It's Either way, three. my point is ten hours between. <laughs> some them. intuition. Yeah, some intuition. Green screen of Thomas Gilbert and I mean green room. <laughs> Good job gotcha. cheating, nice. Ben. No, no, I wasn't. Thomas. I thought Ben it was, was smart. Intuition. His intuition is named Thomas. Okay, we will. And here's uh, the tough part: I don't get to see Thomas when it's I'm funny. We calling do. in here. You we guys do. get to see him until he comes on live. I have no clue. If you were in studio still, if you were in studio yeah. still. Okay, so anyways, that was excellent. We'll talk more about that. The U.S. Masters, the Tim Selinski event, it is crowned ten new pro master champions that's pretty cool uh will any notables there own 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 took it down right in her division own, own took it down in fp40 that's her third uh major of any kind of level uh a junior age protected uh master which is age protected juliana corver yep juliana corver takes down her ninth major uh barry schultz takes it down in mp50 his 16th major he's the most winningest of all the winners this past week also uh dr rick vokes takes down mp70 i mean that's just amazing that you have that division of athletes still how Good about them. mp65 chuck kennedy the creator of the rating system third His... place in mp65 uh oh okay. let's see what yes. he rated what all of his rounds are 1,070? How could that be? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I get it. Goodness. Just kidding. Um, so that's cool. Chuck, you were one of our first guests. If you're listening, we appreciate it. We just know that the rating system has given people a lot of heartache. Yeah, it, like... It drives, it drives discussion. That's all we can do, right? Yep. Uh, so anyways, the point is a lot did happen, but the pro tour itself was on hold because Simon Lazat got married. Congratulations to them. Uh, congratulations to Simon and Natalia and their son Emmett, of course, part of the wedding. Uh, it was really spectacular. I did make it. Uh, what a privilege and an honor it was to be a part ooh, of that. Ooh. Okay. Let's talk really quickly here about this wonderful product that I used throughout the whole weekend, Ben, and I tried to beat you with. It increases my confidence and my grip. But it did not let me throw further than you on a lot of the holes. So this is DG Max Wax. This product is so good. It literally, I reached for it in the slot where I put my mini. I rub my fingers on it, pull it out, kind of rub my fingers together. It is perfect. I don't know how to say it any other way. I absolutely love it. It doesn't last like 
through a whole round. Like it starts to wear off and it's fine because then I just get a little bit more and I just keep it perfect. Just keep it perfect. If I don't want it, you can rub it off pretty easily. Long story short, DG Max Wax enhances your grip. You can use the code Nick and Matt over at DGMaxWax.com. They also have the smaller version that you can stick in your pocket called Snapstick. Pretty fun word there, huh? Snapstick. So <laughs> anyways, I love the product. I use it regularly. And uh, I just alluded to the fact that Ben can still throw further. But that's because he's throwing like 100 feet further than me. Ben, ben is try. smashing. He's doing good. So we'll Work hard. Hard work pays off. All right. This is going to be a little bit more low-key show. So let's, but let's not make it boring, but low key. Let's make it chill. Let's go ahead and bring in uh, the guest of the hour of the night of the weekend. One of the, one of them. We can't elude from everybody else. But Thomas Gilbert on the show. Excited to have you. Welcome to the show, Thomas. And uh, did Ben do you pro- like good with that flag behind him? Oh yeah, I love that. I love the flag. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Uh, so. How many years have you played the Canadian National Championship? And in, in, in the recent past, it's all been up there on PEI, correct? Yes. So the last three Canadian Nationals have been in PEI. Um, I have played four of them. So there, in 2017, it was in Toronto, which is my hometown. And I played that, but I was still like fresh in MPO at that point. Okay. And what's your best finish before this weekend? Uh, third in 2019. Okay third in 2019 so congratulations on taking it down it looked to me like when i did a review of the scores that it you were able to come into the final round you had the play and i don't mean to bring it up but hole 18 did you get a seven i did yeah so, i took a double bogey in the par five in the last okay. hole okay but so I, I, I have a tiny story around that yeah go ahead because i was going to ask you to enhance, enhance enhance that yeah so I kind of downward spiraled from like hole 15 on, uh, and on the tee pad of hole 15, I don't know what it was, but for some reason, when I went to throw my drive, my finger shifted, something happened and I, I cut my fingernails now, but the nail bed bent completely back and I had to like throw with a modified grip for the rest of the round because it was painful to like grip with the normal pressure on a disc. And so I, I, I think it was more mental than actual physical, where just like I was afraid to grip it and like do it again, and so that I think that kind of like messed me up in the last couple of holes when done the stretch, but <laughs> luckily I had a big enough cushion that I wasn't like super stressed. Where I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna lose now because my fingers hurt, and yeah, so that was cushion. that was a little hiccup coming down the stretch, but it didn't matter too much because I had a six yeah. stroke lead. That's where. That's so <laughs> people are probably like, Matt, horrible interview. You started out, oh, you took a seven on hole 18. But where <laughs> I was going with that is going to, because I was looking at the scores and I was like, it didn't matter. Like you, mm-hmm. you had a strong lead. It didn't matter. You could coast your way in at that point. And I, maybe it didn't feel that way, but like, that's what you were able to do. Um, but so congratulations on that. What does it mean to you when it comes to the fact that that's the Canadian nationals, that's your country? And you did it. I mean, does it feel, what does it feel like to you? It feels amazing. I mean, it's honestly a title that I've been chasing for, for the past four or five years now. I think it's, it's a really important title for me as a Canadian. It really like, I, I've been probably the top Canadian for the last three or four years, but now I finally have the actual title to prove it. 
So it's not, it's more than just ratings. It's more than just rankings. It's the actual title. And that means the world to me. So it's, it's not actually, maybe not quite the world. Cause that the two titles I put over top of it is world championship and USBC champion. So if I had those two titles are the, the probably two that I put above Canadian national title, but I think I value this tournament and this win almost more than a pro tour win. Mm. Almost more. You sure you don't want to go more? No, it's it's hard. I'm debating in my head a little bit. I was like, <laughs> I'll get more recognition for a pro tour win, but I think to to myself as a Canadian, the Canadian national title is extremely important. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, um, I'm thinking out loud here about this. Like, we don't refer to you know U.S. citizens when they're playing disc golf as like, oh, you're the American playing disc golf. Like here. I think if a player went up there, they might say that, but like, I feel like you are kind of just referred to as the Canadian, like on tour. It's like, <laughs> that's who you are, but like, we're a global sport, but like, you're still referred to like that way. Like, have you noticed that? Like you're the identity in a lot of ways for Canada. I know there's a few others, but like, you are like the guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially throughout the pandemic, I was the, the only representative from Canada for, for a long time. I was the only person able to, to get down there and fully tour throughout the entire pandemic. And so I think that that representation from Canada kind of solidified myself. And, and it's a huge honor to represent a country. Like it's, it's a really cool feeling to have the support of a nation rooting you on, cheering for you, trying to represent them for at all the big elite events that we play on the tour. So it's, yeah, a very cool feeling and uh, a huge honor for myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got Evan here, Stat Mando. We can put him up too on camera. We don't have to keep him in the closet. But is uh, like any any stats that stand out? You knew Thomas was coming on, but I didn't set you up for any of this stuff. But do you, what do you got for stats, Evan? Yeah, I mean, you had an incredible start to the year. I mean, I think you had three top tens, including silvers, um, and then you had your European stretch in the middle where you got a win and, of course, a lot of top tens. But your last four events, it's been a little bit lower. I think they're their four worst events. I'm not trying to throw you in the spotlight here. But, like, <laughs> does does winning Canadian Nationals kind of, like, spark uh, your season to kind of finish the rest of the year strong when we're hitting some of the biggest events of the year? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, if you look at my season last year, it's – I don't know what it is. I don't know if I'm just getting burnt out kind of in that, like, second, third of the season. But I always have, I had like a good start to my season and then I kind of, after the West Coast swing, usually kind of burn out a little bit and I had the same kind of stretch between Diglo and Idlewild last year. And then I came up to Canada and won the Ontario Provincial Championship. And then I got, I think like 20th or something at GMC and then 9th at Maple Hill, uh, MVP Open. And so I think, and I'm hoping as well, that uh this win sparks a, a good rest of the season and good finish for my my year okay and, and then i want to bring it back to the talk about the european swing in the center um what kind of made you want to go play extra events in europe i mean i think from all the north americans you probably played the most events in europe this year mm -hmm. uh, so what sparked that decision and then just talk about um how how it felt being over there for you know like a couple months it seemed yeah, it, it was fantastic. I was out there uh, for six weeks. Uh, I started after the Beaver State playing. I flew out to uh, Sweden and yeah, that started my six week stretch of playing in Sweden, Finland, Estonia, Norway, and then back over to Finland. 
And it was, it was just a really cool opportunity. I, I said to myself at the beginning of the year, I, I've never been to Europe ever for disc golf and non-disc golf. And to seem like, it, it seemed weird to me to just go to Europe, play PCS Sula Open and European Open, be super rushed, have a crazy schedule, only have so many days of practice and kind of like rush the experience of a lifetime. So I, I decided to skip out on the two elite series, the Preserve and Idlewild, and really just enjoy my time in Europe, make the most of the experience, get to know the Europeans really well, play in multiple different countries. And I think that I, I was very happy with that decision. I think I'll be doing it again next year. Awesome. Yeah, traveling and playing disc golf is something that a lot of people dream of doing. Some people take advantage of the opportunity, depending on the place they are in life. For you, I'm just curious. I mean, you mentioned this, like, disc golf, how do I put it? I'll let you say the words, I guess. But disc golf seems to be a grind for those who aren't, like, having the million-dollar contracts or winning every weekend. So, like, how long have you been grinding it out on tour, like, to where you're like, is this what I'm going to do the rest of my life? Like, have you thought about how far and how long you do this? Yeah, I mean, um, I for sure have my next four years planned out because I have currently a five-year work visa um, that allows me to be in the States full-time, tour, stay um, as long as I need to. So that that's for sure the plan is to go until the end of 2026 and tour full-time, see how good I can get in disc golf and really just do it to the max. And then I think I will probably uh, lower my, my season schedule a little bit, not do quite as many events. I think by the end of this year, I think I'll have like 40 events wow. played. And that's just a lot of weekends. Wow. That's a lot of time throughout the year, just grinding and playing tournaments week in and week out. And it definitely, there's a sense of burnout that you get from playing tournaments. And uh, it, it's exhausting. The, the mental toughness you need to have throughout an entire tournament to be able to finish at a, at a top level, it, it gets pretty exhausting. And it's, it's something that obviously I don't take for granted. I have a, an amazing job. It's a dream come true for me to be able to play disc golf and do it as a career. But it's definitely a balance of like, I need to really think hard about how much mental energy I'm putting into to my job because just as any other job in the world, you can easily get burnt out if you work too hard. So I think next year focusing and taking a little bit of time between events to give a full week and a half, two weeks of time to focus on one event instead of focusing on one event for, for four days in a row uh, or like three days of practice and then the entire tournament and then going immediately to another place and doing a whole that whole thing over again. It is pretty exhausting. So spacing it out next year, I think, will make it a little bit easier on myself, but also hopefully improve my play too. Yeah, I'm just thinking out loud here, and you're talking about how, you know, burnout. First of all, Statmando, is my math correct? Like 30, 40 is like at least three events a month. And four of those during the middle of the summer, you're playing every weekend. So like, yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Do you feel like you're working for yourself or do you feel like you're working for like a company like disc golf, like just in general? I mean, like, how, how do you see it? Are you self-managed? Um, I would say so. Yeah. I think it's, it's very self-driven. Like I, the reason I want to play all these tournaments is because I think they're all very cool uh, events in very different locations. And I 
like to experience all those different places and see what each place has to offer. I, I like to give a lot of tournaments a chance to um, impress me and I kind of just I'm still in the stages where it's like, oh yeah, I want to try everything. Like, let's do it. Go, go big or go home kind of thing. But I, I definitely am learning that that's not the best way to approach it uh, at all times, especially if you're taking it uh, to the full level of, of professionalism. You need to kind of give yourself um, some time to recharge and, and power up for the, the ones that matter to you the most. Cool. Yeah. And um, you're obviously throwing your disc very well. Do you feel like for you as a player that you have a preference of like playing more like a hill crest, which again, for those who don't know, it's like pretty wooded. I mean, it's a clean wooded, right? I mean, it's, it's nice yeah. fairways fair, but it's not wide open like we saw at Worlds this year. Like, so, I mean, I which, say, which do you prefer? Like IDGC type course. Say that again. It's like an IDGC International Disc mm -hmm. Golf Center. Yes. The yes. WRJ. I would say like, that's probably the closest relation uh, course that people know of great hillcrest plays like great great point there so like which do you prefer like that style or do you prefer like more open bomber style i prefer the wooded style i i prefer like the manicured fairways so like not kind of gimmicky which i know was some of the uh criticism of even the tournament butler county this weekend that some of the fairways were just too tight and too uh wooded and gimmicky lines but this had very distinguished very fair very tackable lines and you know what shot you're trying to execute and i think it's really rewarding to to hit your line and you hit the intended line on a hole it's i think a way more rewarding feeling than kind of like throwing your hyzer in bounds on an open field in a, in a kind of open course like that so even though it's i throw far and a lot of people think it's to my advantage to go play bomber courses i actually rather enjoy the the more wooded uh line hitting your line kind of style courses it's interesting a lot of players say that and maybe it's not becoming so interesting to say that because it's it's maybe it's just the fact a lot of players really like that but interesting conversation is that it doesn't seem like that's f like it's going to be both it seems like the future yeah. of the sport is both but um awesome I, someone in the chat i'm going to shout out one one question out of the chat now and if another good one pops up i'll do it uh, they said, ask him about being second in the Euro Tour standings and if that means anything to you. Did you know that? Yes, yeah. So actually that was uh, brought up uh, the tournament after I had my whole European spring at Deaglo. I was on the skins match on GK Pro and uh, they they brought that up to my attention. I was like, hey, you're second in the Euro Tour standings. <laughs> like, how does that feel? And like, I didn't realize that um, that I was in that position up until they told me and it was just yeah kind of the the way the the ball fell or like the the cards fell and i played really really well at the three events that i played on the euro tour and i think i got first third and sixth i believe at at those three euro tour events and so i it just it all came together where uh that put me high in the standings i think i was second to jakob samarad who we all know from uh is really good performance at the Sula Open, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, it's, it was a kind of surprise, but uh, a really cool honor as well to be so so high up there in the in the Euro Tour standings for the time that I spent out there. It made it also kind of feel even more worthwhile to me to to be out there and commit to the tour like that. 
Yeah, and that was thanks to it's hard to read YouTube usernames sometimes, but that was like Barao Seth. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe European. Bro, bro who Seth? knows? <laughs> well, hey, I want to bring it back to Canada for a second. And Let's so Dismania announced that they're going to sponsor um, uh, Hillcrest's tournament called the Dismania Open, I believe, for the next mm. three years. And they're going to have it be an event. Uh, who knows what level it will be? Probably an eight tier up. But whether it's on the Disc Golf Pro Tour schedule or not, obviously a question. Um, but if there was an event in Canada that makes it to, let's say, the Disc Golf Pro Tour schedule, would that be your first choice as a Canadian? Do you have any feel to like maybe a Toronto area, British Columbia? Um, I mean, I don't know how well you know all the courses in Canada, yeah. but figured I'd ask you. Um, I think absolutely that that PEI Hillcrest is is the number one destination I would choose for um, a tournament representation of Canada. The course is is yeah next to London Beauty. It's it's probably my my second favorite course in the world next to Maple Hill. Um, I really enjoy the event there. They have a great tournament staff that runs an amazing event. They're extremely accommodating, honestly more so than any other tournament I've ever played. They PEI is the biggest revenue there is tourism, so they have the infrastructure to to host and hold several thousand people. Um, I think the courses are a little bit crowded and I know that they're working uh, hard for, for this mini open next year to kind of uh, build into the, the rough of the fairways, some areas for spectators to, to watch from. And I know that the second course that we played, uh, Rose Valley, is on an amazing property. I think it was it was freshly put in this year, I believe, and so it's it does a little bit of work to be, I think, at the pro tour, like world class level, but I think they have they have what it takes for sure. And I know there's discussions on, on bringing it onto the tour, and um, I'm all for it. So I mean, I love the courses, I love the place. I think many touring pros would too, and I think the fans would enjoy watching the action there as well. I, I was already trying to tell Evan in our pre-show that we did, apparently. He's like, I got to go up there. And I'm like, absolutely. I was able to do it with my wife three or four years ago and play in the tournament on the AM side. And the course was just so magical, right? I mean, there's holes that are just like, it's just fun to look at. And then you're like, I get to throw a Frisbee on this hole. Like, it's so cool. Yeah. Uh, like they put ponds in, like, yeah, maybe artificial, but the way they did them was just right. Like, there's a lot of good stuff to it. Um, there was another course up there. Did you guys, they, they used to involve a course called Huckett. Is that yes. still used? Yes, that is still used. That was used for the AM side and okay. I believe Masters side uh, at the tournament. Uh, it's still a fantastic course. They had some of the damages uh, from the hurricane in 2019. I actually wasn't able to play it um, this year, but I heard it's still in great condition, really fun to play. I think a very good tournament. I know that Ben Smith, who is the tournament director and main guy that organizes the whole uh, event up there, uh, really enjoys Rose Valley and sees the potential in that course. And I think that's going to be their their focus for a second course um, in the future because I think it has the most room to expand and, and really have a an impact for a world caliber course in the future. Okay, I'm going to bring it back now from Canada, Evan. <laughs> We're just going to toss it back and forth across country lines. Um, which, by the way, you don't have to tell us your address, but are you in Canada right now or did you make it back to the U.S.? Yes, I am actually about a half hour away from the border of Vermont, and I'm in Quebec uh, with 
uh, host Julian Kinville, who is another player up here in Canada. And uh, yeah, we're going to ride down there tomorrow morning and get some practice in. He's actually playing the qualifier that you had mentioned mm. that uh, Nick is getting ready for. And so he's going to see if he can qualify for the tournament as well. Do you have more information than us? Is it like a five spot or a four spot qualifier type deal? Like everyone plays who the top four get in kind of a thing? I think so. I think that's the format. Okay. Top four scores qualify into the tournament. Um, it's tea times ran between, I think, like 7.30 a.m. and 10 a.m. or something. And, uh, yeah, it's just the kind of you go out, USCGC style, you play, best score gets to go in the tournament. So, yeah, be pretty fun. We'll so see. you're moving into GMC, which has both styles of courses and a little bit of mixture mm -hmm. on either of them, but... It seems like it would be suiting up for your style. Everyone has preferences with specific courses, but it seems like it. And you mentioned Maple Hill being, I just heard it, I think, as your favorite. Is that correct? Yep. Okay. Yeah, um, so I have to bring that up because people think that we record our show out of Maple Hill sometimes. They apparently, <laughs> someone there on the course property that works there said people will show up and be like, where's Nick and Matt's studio? And I'm like, we're not there. <laughs> like, they're looking in the pro shop. Anyways. But no, so Maple Hill... Uh, it's coming up, and I hate to ask this question without knowing the answer, but are you are you going to be able to qualify into Maple Hill for sure kind of a thing, or are you having to play good yeah. at GMC? Yeah. I'm, in, I'm in 36th place at the moment in the Pro Tour point standing. And okay. so these events actually are kind of important for me because I have to hopefully get into the top 30, so I have to so I'm a secured spot for the Pro Tour finale. Uh, yeah, like I kind of said, I played really well at these courses last year. They, they're honestly my two favorite events, um, probably on the U.S. tour, on the Pro Tour. So, wow. uh, yeah, really, really amazing courses and events. And I'm very excited to play them, especially after getting a little confidence boost of a nice 1050 average from Canadian Nationals. Okay, well, you're not alone when you talk about favorite courses. There's a whole bunch of you Pro Touring players who are like... Love Smuggler's Notch, love Maple Hill. So we're excited to hear that, especially us coming out of the East Coast, uh, that these yeah. courses it, are showing off. And to hop in for a second, um, with the Silver Series event happening, oh, sorry, let me center. With the Silver Series ha event happening last week, uh, someone uh, passed you, so you're at uh, Marweed, so you're actually down to 37th. You're oh, the first one out of the play-in. Um, but of course we have, uh, two more events and there's gonna be a lot of shakeup happening there. Yeah. Um, but there's like you were saying, the top 30 are, uh, automatically qualified into it. You have the next, I think five or six get a play in, but Eagle McMahon is going to be one of those because he won an elite series or major. Um, so he'll be in the play in and I think it's four or five besides that. I don't have the exact number, but I have you as the first one out. Uh, as it stands All right, right. the second. All right. That's a little bit of extra motivation to play well this weekend. There you oh, go. baby. Just think, leave it up to Statman to drop the bomb. Think of Evan's face. Yeah. Every, what he just said. I don't know if that's going to help. <laughs> but, well, it depends what he's thinking of your face for. I mean, anyway. All right. Never mind. So, we've gotten to this point where we didn't set you up for this, but we're going to play a game if you don't mind sticking around. And it's just a game about yeah. disc golf history. If you've ever heard it before, it's called Stat or Fiction. You want to play? Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's do it. Um, Evan, let's Stat go. Stat or Fiction, presented by Stat Mando. And intern Ben Kenny, you know, repping the Canadian flag there as his background. He's going to play as well. Good job getting the points to zero, Ben. 
Evan, I th Th Thomas, do you know the, the rules more or less? You got to guess true or false kind of a deal? Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's right. Big fan of the show. That's right. Big fan. I think I remember uh, we did a Brody Smith interview and you were in the background watching the Nick and Matt show. And he's, I, I don't remember how that came up. <laughs> I think that was last year sometime. Anyways, yeah, yeah. glad to have you on. And now you get to play the game. Evan, Let's take it away. Well, I, I debated throwing it in last second, uh, but Steve sent me a message and there have been three previous Canadians to win the Canadian Nationals uh, across both open divisions. Uh, so this is not a stat or fiction, but I'm just sharing some stats. Right. Lane King won it in 2015. Um, and then you had Martin Hendel in 2017 before Thomas Gilbert in 2022. Uh, you also had Kristen Tatar win it in 2019. So uh, yeah. it's three Canadians out of eight, but four internationals out of eight yeah. previous. When was the when was the last Canadian winner or internet? 2019, which was Nate Sexton and Kristen Tatar. Uh, so it usually happens every other year. I'm assuming it was COVID related. That no, I guess I meant like Kristen Tatar is not Canadian and neither is Nate Sexton. I'm saying like the last oh, Canadian. Oh. 2017 was Martin Hendel. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good job. But let's bring it into. He's, just, uh, he's the... just setting us up. He's like, these are all stats, stat, 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 stat. Now he's like, he's let's been play on the game. Stat, stat, yeah. stat let's play the game now. Here we go. Whoa. Okay. Apparently. But uh, thanks to Steve for sending me the Canadian Nationals. If I didn't say that, but thanks to Carl from Stat Mando for getting me a bunch of these Canadian themed uh, stat or fictions. Carl. So, all right. Uh, this first part, I'm going to give you a. Uh, um, a lead into the stat thomas gilbert has completed 45 elite series or major rounds this year in 2022 45 rounds uh the stat or fiction is this accounts for over half the mpo elite series and major rounds by canadians this year and i'll preface that by that's uh let's say full canadians or that's what their uh, nationality is so simon lazat although he might be half canadian he identifies as german Okay, yeah. So this accounts for over half the MPO elite series and major rounds by all Canadians this year. This is the 45 rounds that Tom is that MPO? Is MP, just MPO. Okay. Uh, and sure hold so. on, you're not up first, but if you go first, oh. then we're all probably just going to guess what you say because <laughs> Mr. Canada himself. But I just want to clarify, he told us already, like by the end of the season, he's going to have like 40 tournaments, I think, tournament rounds. If he's at 45 now, and I'm guessing most of them were at least two, some of them three, he's got a little ways to go this season yet, huh, Gilbert? So, so this is Elite Thomas Series Gilbert. and Majors. <laughs> yeah. first I just called him Gilbert, you know, like we're bros. Like, yeah, like the locker room buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I, that was going through my head, and then it was those amount of rounds are more than half is what the stat is? Or the... Yeah, pretty much from all – think of all Canadians who have played Elite Series and Major rounds this year in MPO. Thomas Gilbert okay. accounts for – over half of those okay um you're up first ben you guys probably can't guess what i'm gonna guess but <laughs> i'm gonna have to go stat i'm going stat as well i just feel like with what he already prefaced all this with that it's got to be got to be what do you think thomas i think stat okay we're <laughs> either stay low or go high oh man too easy you Curtis. guys Sorry. All right. This is. I thought this was cool, though. It is a stat. Uh, <laughs> Thomas cool. Gilbert has 45 rounds, as I said, from all other MPO players or Canadians in Elite Series and Majors. We have 32 total rounds. Um, and then when you bring it to all Canadians, MPO or FPO, there's 130 total. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so less than half nets. Yeah. Be, I wouldn't be surprised more if there's more FPO rounds than MPO, like the rest of the MPO. Because I know there's three FPO that play events here and there on the Pro Tour. You know, Chantel has done like three or four events. I know uh, Colleen and Pat Johnson have done uh, two or three events themselves. So that's why I wanted the clarification of FPO. Yeah, absolutely. There's 32 other rounds in MPO. There's 130, so that'd be 52 FPO rounds this season. So it could have been a good question. Do you have more than all the FPO Canadians, which would have been (laughs) fiction, but that wasn't it. All right. Uh, I will be answering this time for the next question. So go ahead, Evan. All right. Uh, Ella Hansen won an FPO in Canadian nationals. This was Ella Hansen's first PDGA win in a state or province that does not border the Pacific ocean. Oh, dang. (laughs) Any win, any win, right? We're not talking any, any tier any or anything. PDGA win. So it could any be like PDGA win. She could have won in Iowa. Oh man, I feel sure. like has she? I just feel like she has won. Wait, I'm are we talking only disc golf or also PDGA. ultimate frisbee? No, he said PDGA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have her ultimate frisbee record, so I just feel disc golf. like it's a feeling that I'm having to go off of a recollection of what did she post on social media last year. Oh my goodness! Um, but was that near home? Well, I I just talked myself out of it. I think if she does have a win, it's near home, and it's you said bordering what? The Pacific Ocean. Oh, bordering so, the Pacific. So there's three states for Alaska. Where does she live? She's from Washington, I think. Originally went to school in yeah. Oregon. Yes. Um, but yeah, there's there's the potential of British Columbia and and maybe one other. Canadian I've talked country. myself the out of it, but it could go either way. Um, no, this is wait. This, I already put you down. What is it? Where was I going to say? Fiction? fiction, yeah. Has she won out outside the Pacific Ocean before? Outside the Pacific Ocean, no. outside of that borders? No, so that fiction, yeah. Okay, so this is her first, yes. That's what I'm saying. Okay, all right. You're, wait, up, you're saying uh, this Thomas. is her first, yeah. This is her first outside of the bordering Pacific. Yeah, so, so that would be stat. Oh. oh, thank you. I said, the question was, or the uh, statement was, this was Ella Hansen's first PDGA win. <laughs> stat, <laughs> thank you. We We're talked all over the place. A million circles. Yeah. You're up, Thomas. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Stat, this is their first win outside of the Pacific. Border. He might know because he was up there. Don't listen to him, Ben. <sighs> I'm going to have to go with what I was going to go regardless. Shout out Steve Falco. Stat. Shout out Steve. We need to make the Steve Falco rule. Like, <laughs> That's an rule. awesome rule. The Steve okay. Falco rule. Anyway, <laughs> so what do we got, Evan? All right. This is a fiction. Oh. I got y'all. So um, she has, let me pull it up real quick. I talked myself uh, out of it because I felt like she had made a post like, hey, I won something, but I just couldn't remember where. And I was like rolling the dice. The that odds were better home. for fiction, but it felt like a stat. <sighs> she has six previous wins, three of which were in Washington, one in Oregon, one in California. Then she has one win in Georgia, which was a flexi start called the OTB Roadshow Monday Flex at <laughs> Ferguson Park. She probably Where never said a thing she, about that. She beat uh, Chloe Alice by five strokes and Leah Sinaginny <laughs> by 13. And that was the entire field. I mean, good you players, of course. That was an X C tier. One PDGA win. That's a regular C tier at that, actually. <laughs> Anyways, so. good job. Point to Evan. We're still all tied up at one. We got question three. And this one, 
Um, if you think it's going to massively give it away, like Thomas has an advantage, we'll just start first. But otherwise, it's going to Thomas. All right. Uh, number three, Casey Hannemeyer, who I believe came in third this weekend, uh, the Canadian Nationals, um, shot the highest rated round in Elite Series or Majors this season by a Canadian not named Thomas Gilbert. <laughs> That's a little bit of a mouthful. So, so the Casey, only other Canadian we all know. No, I'm kidding. We know a handful. Um, there's, there's a handful. Only 32 I I, rounds. I was joking. I was joking. But now this one name you bring up, you're saying, saying is it the highest rated round by a Canadian name. not named Thomas. Yeah. So either you're getting this really season. tricky and there's another Thomas who shot a really <laughs> good round. Or, or you looked this stat up and you were wrong Oh man, um, I can't make I'll Thomas this. answer this first. We're gonna Carl go sent it to me, and so I did not think this through. Don't try to get into my brain, All right. Ben. What do you think? Um, what did you say it was rated? Did you tell us? Uh, should I? Is that part of it? Doesn't matter. I mean, well, it kind of matters, it. but maybe not. No, it kind of matters. I I kind of want to leave it open. All right, all right. All right. Uh, Doesn't matter. I have it now, but I'll tell you at the end. I'm bullish on Canadians, so I'm going to say stat. <laughs> okay. It, I will also preface this is by Canadian official nationality. So Simon yeah. Lazat considers himself German. Yes. Can you tell us what he shot, like as a round score? Uh, I don't have okay. a specific number. Do you remember what up. he shot, Thomas? I just have the like round as a round number. score? This is an ESPN stat. What he shot? Yeah, like, I don't know, like, under par. Like, you shot a, what, like, a minus something. So does, does Portland open and uh, Beaver State Flank count? Uh, Portland open would. Beaver State Flank was a silver series. So this is just elite series and majors. So Portland open was an elite series. He did well at those. Okay, I'm not going to make him answer first. I'm going to say, <laughs> I'm going to roll the dice and say stat as well, because I think Ben's right, and I'm going to go with stat. It's on you now, Thomas. The only thing that's maybe messing in my head is is Vegas. There was a few Canadians oh. there that shot decently well, but I know Casey had a very good round at Portland Open, which I believe will probably be the the second highest Canadian round. But are you asking Evan about what happened at Canadian Nationals? No, this is just Elite Series and Majors. Okay. Yeah, I got. So I, I'll say stat. All right. We're gonna have a tiebreaker <laughs> necessity. All right, here we go. Um, this is a stat. So Casey Hanemeyer did shoot the highest rated round this season from Elite Series and Majors by a Canadian not named Thomas Gilbert. <laughs> Oof, got that off. That's a mouthful. Um, it, I, I will say it was a 10-32 rated round in the second round of the Portland Open. Uh, Thomas had that feeling right. Uh, I'm not sure about the Beaver State Fling. Beaver State Fling, excuse me. Uh, didn't pull up silvers. Beaver State Fling. But we need a tiebreaker now because uh, y'all are tied at two. So uh, how this is going to be kind of an open question. So uh, let's just say whoever is the closest. It's not prices right. You don't need to be under or over. However, that one works. I forget. Uh, just. <laughs> going to come up with a, a number of what you think it is and try to be the closest. Uh, how many rounds does Thomas Gilbert have this year from elite series and majors that are rated higher than 1032, which is the highest rated by a Canadian not named Thomas Gilbert. Uh, I'll go first. 19. 
Um, yeah, Ben, go. This is this is from Elite Series and Majors only. Just a uh, uh, oh, maybe I guess a little. Wait, high. so no ultimate frisbee? <laughs> Just no ultimate answer frisbee. Answer the question. <laughs> seven. It can be seven. Any state doesn't have to be oh. bordering the Pacific Ocean. I said nineteen. Oh, well, you offended Thomas. Oh no! All right, no, you got locked in with your seven. Go ahead, Thomas. Uh, I'm gonna guess. Over or under on what I guessed? Over what you guessed. Okay. All right, so I picked a low ball. <laughs> Who's closest? What number did you say? Wait, Thomas, you said over 19 this year? Yes, yeah, over so 19. He says 20. Yeah. What number did oh. you guess? 1032. I guessed 22. Okay, 22. 22. 22. All right. Drum roll. I have 10 rounds <gasps> uh, from Thomas Gilbert that are 1032 <laughs> or no. higher. Which hope I'm trusting Carl here. <laughs> this is how the game was invented. It was like such a horrible stat. <laughs> Thomas is never coming on our show again. He's like your, your pro tour rate ranking. I mean, ten thirty two is like insane. So I don't know. Yeah, you could have had twenty something above ten thirty. I'm not. I need to pull it up. Uh, re- real uh, quick, Thomas. What, what is your rating right now? What, what is your rating right now? Ten twenty five. Okay. And my rating was ten twenty nine earlier in this year because i was averaging 1040 somethings for like three or four for like 10 rounds <laughs> i guess so i guess only 10 rounds but this is specifically he, uh, specifically he's talking elites and majors so maybe you played some that were not yeah maybe so well i guess i won again we yeah because seven's the closest yeah wow man my, my math was off there <laughs> all right let's get out of the game segment here and let's right. uh wrap this up so uh we were really excited to have you on tonight and beat you at a game about <laughs> canadian stats and uh <laughs> represent the canadian flag and it was a good time i thought this was spectacular um been following your game for quite a while how are you feeling with your sponsorships anything big coming up you're unhappy you want to throw in the towel what like no you're good yeah I quit disc golf. Everything's all done. But uh, no, I'm very excited for the future. I mean, like I said, this I think this tournament's going to be a little bit of a spark. Uh, hopefully for the final round, final bit of the season. And uh, yeah, I mean the contract and all that kind of stuff. I mean, all I'll say is I don't have anything really in the works yet. But I do know that this is my contract year. So who knows where things uh, go from there. Apparently, you just need a contract here. For a Nick and Matt show exclusive. <laughs> exclusive. Where are you is going? A, yeah. Tell like, us. Yeah, I guess this is a contract year. That's why you won, right? I mean, you're trying to show your value. Yeah. Yeah, trying to build a resume. All right, this is my guess. Back to Innova. <laughs> just, <laughs> ben just comes out. Give yourself the fire take. Oh, you can't. Tour series. Uh... Getting sponsored by the country of Canada. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> the country of by Canada. By Justin Trudeau. Let's go. Well, we were, like I said, we're excited to have you on tonight. Glad it worked out. Sorry to make you sit through the first 10 minutes of us introing the show. That's only happened maybe two other, three other times. But 106 episodes, not too bad, but you had to sit through that one. Um, <laughs> all right. So your next event is GMC. You're playing it, and then you're going to Maple, and we're going to root there for you. Yeah. With Kearns at GMC. All right. Well, yeah. That is true, but before Thomas, you drop. I gotta say, ten thirty-three rated rounds this year of all events, twenty-nine total. Um, so that's closer to the number you were thinking. Uh, there was twelve from non, let's say, tour events. 
um, but which includes the European tours as well. You had five uh, from Silvers, uh, two, and specifically Euro tours. Um, two of the Silvers were actually Sula, which was a Euro tour. Yeah. Um, then I think it was all three rounds at the Canadian Nationals, or at least two, all yep. three rounds. All three rounds. Well, when you ended up saying like these are like tour elite major, I was like, ooh, I think I overguessed. But anyway, yeah, I don't really consider that in as much because I was thinking like, okay, I played 110 rounds this year. Um, I think I have over at least half, like about half of them are above my rating, and then <laughs> at 32, and then okay, so it's like about 22 or so. Unfortunately, yeah. that's not the way Statmando does math, but that's the way I do math. No. I, I do math yeah. that yeah. way all the time. <laughs> They're like, you're wrong, Matt. You're wrong. Wait, one yeah. more question. Yeah. What's the secret to shooting a hot round at Maple Hill? Me, <laughs> I shot plus seven, Matt shot plus ten. T- like, show us the ways. W- w- how do you shoot so good at golds? You got to have a hot start. You have to have one friend doing uh, doing good in rooting you on. You have to do one friend that's completely blowing up, and you're just like, okay, thank God it's not me. And then it just like all the pieces fall together and you're shooting the high round. And realistically, you got to be able to throw farther than Matt, me. You got to be able to throw farther to do that. So that helps too. Yeah, we, we really appreciate you coming on. We'll see you uh, at these events coming up and we're rooting for you, man. All right. Yeah. Sounds all right. good. Have a good one. There. He's out. All right, everybody. Thomas Gilbert trying to get the exclusive out of him. He said it's a contract year. So, I mean, hey, that's hey. something. It's something. I mean, you know we're going to start making shows talking about who's going where and the possibilities and let the rumors fly. Okay, no, I'm oh, kidding. Man. We're not that close to the offseason. I don't <laughs> no. want to get into that stuff yet. We got so much disc golf left. Okay, so this was going to be a shorter show. Some of you may be sad, and when I say shorter, you all just smiled slowly saying, those are the famous words before they go another hour. <laughs> but, so let's just see where we get. First of all, I want to talk about trydiscs.com has anybody tried that yet if you have in the chat let us know did you find something you liked um what's a disc that we should look for live on air Ooh. right now try this what how about a glozy zone okay i'm gonna punch that in why no, we should do something like rare that people like, <laughs> that they no, want we like go... a full, t- full <laughs> tilt because those oh. just got re- released so i'm just gonna punch in tilt right now i could type in full tilt i'm just oh, gonna yeah, just do tilt are you saying you want to go on display on the display? No, 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 oh, okay, no. I'm just okay. doing it live while we talk. Or you could do it live. I don't know. So you can look up a disc, and then it's going to search all these retailers, 170-plus retailers. It's going to check out and see if it can find the disc you're looking for. But not only is it going to search all retailers, it's going to also be able to do – there's a whole disc flight matrix, which is awesome. Every disc ever produced PDGA, out-of-production tracker – interesting i'm looking for that for my esp comments so i got to use that tool right now uh limited edition esp comments yeah exactly i don't have enough time to do this all during this uh discussion about tri discs but this is a real prize as i said in previous weeks it looks for you across all retailers and tells you where and what and then it has a simple button to let you click to buy it so my computer is broken right now so i can't tell you if it found the tilt but it's because we're streaming so much high-quality content. Yes. The, and it's an incredible tool. If you feel like, hey, I want a disc that's similar, but I want it in a different brand, it will do that for you. You can say, here's how far I throw, uh, and here's my skill level, and it's going to find you the right disc, and it's going to find you across all manufacturers and say, why don't you try one of these? If you like that, you do this. 
It's just a really cool website. If you haven't tried it out, please. There's a link inside the description for this podcast, uh, but you can also just go straight to trydesk.com. Use the link. It lets them know it came from us. Otherwise, he's just going to have to look and guess that when we talk about it, he gets more you know, people looking at it, and that's what we want. We want to support disc golf startups, and an amazing tool like this deserves it. Trydiscs.com. No codes, no nothing. In fact, they'll give you the codes, right? Right, Ben? True. They'll give you the codes that yeah, give you money off. You so. can find the best retailer. <laughs> I was looking for free shipping and a 10% off code, and I found it. I forget which one, but Let's go. I found it. So, so, so it one tells you how much they ship for, too. So free shipping, too, which is sick. It tells you what stores you free shipping. <laughs> it's cool. Try to stop. Which I said like seven times already. And you know what I'll never forget is the owner's name, Azim. Tyler. Oh. Yeah, Tyler. Remember that one? Yes, whole that was hilarious. <laughs> Debacle. We're going to make did? a blooper reel very soon. Man, that one was like the ghost of my body left me when he's like, this is a mistake. And I'm like, who are you? <laughs> like, I couldn't, my head could not put it all together. I've already explained it a hundred times. Azim, we like your product. We think everyone should check it out. Trydiscs.com. Okay. Let's go. Let's do this. What matters? Uh, let's let's keep it on the shorter side because we're already going over with our double intro and everything. What's like on the line with the playoffs here? Like Paul's already locked it. There's a few others. Ricky's probably locked in. Um, there's players that are locked in. I think the top three FPO are even not quite locked into like final round <clears> by, <throat> but like they're locked in pretty good. Like who are the players that we're looking at that are like, that we should watch for that have like a story to be told. Like I sat down with Nate Perkins at the wedding this past weekend and I said, Hey, like, are you in? Like, he's like, yeah, I'm in GMC. And he's like, but I'd have to place like, I think he said like top 12 or something at GMC to be able to make it into Maple. So like what players are not even making it into Maple if they don't play well, do we have that list? Uh, we don't need yeah. to go like 50 down the list. I just mean like a general, like who's who. Evan can get that, his query. I can get whatever you want. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking at a few different things right now. For Maple Hill, it's top 72 in MPO and top, uh, what is that, 36 in FPO Okay. Um, plus qualifiers. And that's also like if people opt out, it's going to keep on going down the list. But for the fun of the game, let's keep it strict mm-hmm. to top 72, except I'm going to do top 73 in MPO because Nicola Castro – uh, is suspended for the rest of the season, but he still has disc golf pro tour points. Um, but Paul Ulibarri is sitting at 73rd right now. So he is the last in, so to speak, at MVP Open. Of course, GM, she's going to shake things up like crazy. Um, but below him, there's, you know, a lot of names that people are going to recognize, uh, but who might not be, um, you know, you wouldn't guess them to be locks. But I mean, um, like Noah Fiveash, mm-hmm. Austin Turner, Justin Rozak, Dylan Horse, who's been having a uh, really good play lately, took Nick to a playoff and won. And then uh, what did he just do this last weekend? He was top ten at Butler County. Yep, top ten. You said but you said I, uh, Austin Hannum, right? Or did you say Austin, Austin Turner? Turner. Okay, okay. I was gonna say Austin yeah. Hannum. He's been but, like doing great. Uh, an, another name is Scott Stokely. He's sitting at one hundred and one right now, um, and he. Is not looking likely for MVP, but he is sitting in the last spot with the Nico suspension um, to GMC. Um, 
Andrew Fish is sitting outside, but he qualified to MVP Open via the Greater Hartford Open, winning that over Paul Kranz this weekend. But I think the biggest name that's on the outside of MVP and the Pro Tour Championship is Nathan Queen, who's sitting in the 94th right now, dropped one spot because I don't think he played Butler County. Uh, he's going to play GMC. He could get a lot of points if he placed well at GMC, but it's still like a monumental comeback to try to get in the MVP or the Pro Tour Championship. Yeah, and so Paul mentioned on our show last week, he's like, the or let me get this out of the way. I think I said this. Our Apple podcast account right now, for some reason, and this one hopefully syncs up, but it hasn't been syncing since we did Aaron Gossage. Something broke. And I've reached out to Apple Podcasts. We have a ticket in. We're waiting. It seems like Spotify is working again. And most other, like, podcasts, you know, like, generic platforms that reach out and just find podcasts wherever they are, like, those are all working. But the Paul Macbeth interview, if you're listening to this one <laughs> and it's not on Apple Podcasts, then you probably don't use Apple Podcasts. But it, this is the, like, I don't know how to get the message out there to those people. Paul Macbeth interviews up and he said the, the playoffs ultimately don't mean anything to him. They have like almost no value to him. And I think that's accurate. Like he can't leave a clinched position for finals, right? Yeah, and I, I agree. Well, I'll, I'll go into the officially clinched, locked in, can't do worse. Uh, you have the top three in MPO who are clinched to the semifinals. So that's Paul McBeth in number one, Ricky Wesaki and Calvin Heinberg as number two and three. They're locked into the semifinals. That's the top eight in MPO. That's not changing no matter if they drop, finish last, does not matter for the next two events or even USDGC because uh, USDGC does not count for points, by the way. Um, it's just the last two uh, playoff events being GMC and MVP. Um, but yeah, those top three are clinched and then up to six is clinched for the quarterfinals, um, which would be Gannon Burr, Chris Dickerson, and Simon Lazat. Um, so they all have one by the top three, at least have two buys, but you got to assume that Gannon Burr, Chris Dickerson, and Simon Lazat probably will, uh, get that. The top eight, Simon has like a 130 point lead over Chris Clemens, not 130, a little less than that, 115, um, so if Simon just does moderately well and the players above him, they should get into that top eight position. Um, but on the FPO side, it is getting interesting. So the top um, four get a bye to the semifinals. Um, nobody's clinched yet, but you got to assume by all things considered that Paige Pierce, Christmas Tatar, and Katrina Allen will get those first three spots. They haven't officially clinched it. Um, but looking pretty likely the real story is getting that fourth spot and like it's going to be so exciting people have to be glued to their seats and hopefully the message gets out there well enough but Valerie Mandohano, Owen Scoggins and Missy Gannon are all battling for that number four spot which means a ton because that's the bye to semifinals otherwise they're playing in the first round uh, Valerie Mandohano sitting at 824 points Owen Scoggins at 817 and Missy Gannon at 794 uh, the wildest thing to be is none of those players played Butler County. <laughs> Missy Gannon could have gotten full points. And of course it would have been hard to get all 25 when Chris Tatar was in the field. They're, like, honestly, they're probably looking at a second place finish at best, which I, I don't know. It's a quarter of the points. It would have been 85. So whatever a quarter of 85 is, I am not that good at brain math right now, but 21 um, and a half. Is that it? Nice. Oh, know. look at that. Something like that. 21-ish points. So that was, like, if Missy Gannon played and gotten second, she could have been right on Valerie Mandohano's tail for fourth place. But she took it off, which you can't put a price tag on rest. That's different for everyone. So maybe that is really important. 
Um, but also GMC and MVP are 125 points for the winner. So like 25% more than a normal elite series. They count full. There's no drops for these two playoff events. So if Missy Gannon just beats Valerie Mandohano both times, then maybe she gets it and it beats her own as well, of course. Um, but either way, these next two events are going to be exciting for that crucial fourth spot. I like that. And I would like to see in years to come, and I know the Pro Tour usually pilots things without it being perfect. Remember the All-Star match? It got better the second year. You'd have to believe playoffs are going to get better the second year because they're going to realize like what people want to see. And I think one of the things we'd like to see is a story being told here. And if, if you have your best player saying nothing matters to me in the playoffs, I get it. It's almost it's like a buy in a way. They've earned it. But I would like to see the story shift then to where even cameras just follow the players who it really matters on. Make it a true playoff event um, to where, in that sense, like we want to see that story. This putt matters because if he misses this putt, he's out. If he hits it, he's in. Like even if he's 50th down on the list of players in the, like the event, like that's a cool story. I'd like to see that stuff. So this Absolutely. year's playoffs are kind of, eh, but we'll see. Well, if the winner is like, let's say Kristen Tatar is w winning by eight strokes again right. into the final couple holes, but Missy Gannon and Owen are on lead card and they're battling it out for that four spot and Valerie Mandohano's on chase doing super well, like just coming up with some random scenario, like that'll be super exciting. And I think cameras should be glued to that too, because that's almost more exciting than Kristen Tatar winning yet another event, which is remarkable, but. Uh, of that's course, it could I'm be saying. totally different. Valerie could be winning it, and Owen could be in second place, and then yeah. it's just double. Yeah, double. Um, and I, I guess that's what I'm saying. It's interesting that they're having an event like held inside of a playoff, which is kind of how I'm seeing this, because you have players who don't care, and then you have players who do, and it's like two different stories. I'm hoping they put cameras around it like that. Maybe they will. Let's give them a chance. Maybe they'll do it. Um, but So that's coming up, and then MVP Open. Um, great. Awesome. So... I'm thinking out loud here and I was just thinking about like how we're attending the event and all that. Uh, anyways, long story short, I'll figure, I'll figure that out. We'll bring a friend along of the Nick and Matt show probably during MVP open. We'll figure that out. Um, let's talk. Uh, we already talked a lot about all this stuff ratings and let's make this one quick. If Nick was here, he'd say, we're not even going to talk about it. We've done that enough. Here's the thing. <laughs> And we have. We've talked about it a lot, but it's it's a splash yet again. I am starting to be swayed. I've I've held pretty fast on my opinion with ratings. I'm starting to be swayed that there is a better system. For the amateurs, I don't think we have much to complain about. Like, I think it's pretty close. If I play an amateur event, it's not anything significant like, Oh, I should have had that eight points higher than what it was. Like, okay, whatever. Like, dude, like you're an amateur. Like, it's all going to work out if you play enough rounds. It'll average out. But when you see a round like Joel puts down, and he's like, I don't even care about the rating, he says in his post. And then he goes, but here's my rating. I'm like, you care. <laughs> like, you say you don't care, and then you post, here's my rating. And then uh, Big Germ posts and says, like, you know, it's a fun thing, and, like, we all like it. Everyone looks, even if you say you don't like it. This comes up every time. But for Joel Freeman's round, and there's another one that came up somewhere else too, but for Joel Freeman's round, between him and I feel like second place that round, what what was the rating difference there? I'm going to have to pull that up. Do you happen to have that? Between Joel uh, and um, Chandler. Chandler. I can pull it up. I'm stat crando. If, some, if someone <laughs> wants to look that up, what the rating difference I... was. 
have it right here if I can open up. But um, the, where I'm going so, with this is typically, and I typical, I I'm no. Um, well, I have it before Chuck Amanda. Kennedy. <laughs> Chuck Kennedy is rolling over, not in his grave. He's rolling over in his couch as he listens. Um, I was gonna say typically, you feel pretty comfortable saying anywhere from like eight to ten like points per stroke. That's obviously very rough math. I know. Again, that's probably offensive to the system. And this is the point, though. Depending on who's playing in your field, that number changes. And the reality is the skill level of the golfer did not change. So I'm being a hypothetical, but if a whole bunch of 920 rated players played that round and played their 920 rating, it's going to affect what the exact same round that Joel Freeman just put down. This is the point. If you put... 100,000 rated players in there. It's going to affect what his round was rated as well because it's based off of, and it's it's not, here's the thing, I'm not bashing the system fully. It's based off of how the course played because that's how they can evaluate how difficult the course is because they said, we know the quality of these players playing it. We know the quality based off of the way they just played it. So now we can tell you what it's rated. I get that. The problem is it's it can change every round and it can change every week. And it doesn't feel like that should be that case. Now, Chuck on our show said, well, Matt, round to round, like the sun could be shining differently in the second round and into somebody's eyes or the wind could be blowing in from the east and that's harder than it was the first round. But in my mind, unless there's really something notable or significant, we're not just making up things like maybe the sun is shining in someone's eye differently. I think it should be at least the same on the day of. Uh, Jessica Weiss is like, hey, had I shot the round I did today, the day before, it would have been 40 points higher kind of a thing. And it's like, man. Well, Matt. Yeah. So if you take a 65, which was the uh, second best score in round three, um, and was that the best? No, was not the second best across the whole tournament. Was the second best in round three. It was rated 1035 by uh, Matt Oram. In round one, Joel or Freeman shot a 65. It was rated 1036. One point higher. That's nothing. In round two, he shot a 65 as well. It was rated 1033. That's two points less. That's nothing. So uh, across the whole tournament, 65 was rated about a 1034, 1035. Um, so I think that was consistent across the whole thing. What I think is the biggest factor here is it was a, a, a long course, a lot of throws. You, everyone talks about the memorial. Obviously, there's the scoring separation with OB and whatnot, but it's really a par three course. If you're playing good, you're probably going to get a two. Uh, you're going to occasionally get a three. At this course, there are a lot of par fours. I think there are some par fives even, uh, or at least one. So you just have a lot more throws. So even though that Joel Freeman beats the field by eight strokes um, compared to, let's say, Paul McBeth beating uh, the field by eight strokes at the Memorial, Joel Freeman threw a lot more throws uh, just because it's a longer course. Um, and so that means each stroke difference matters less as you were getting to. It's usually about eight to 10 points per stroke. This one was close to about five points per stroke. Uh, so it's just really hard to get into those high numbers. Um, if there was more OB, there would be uh, more separation between the strokes. Even if there was a lot, that'd be rated more. But th this is the same thing that happened to Paul McBeth at Champions Cup. It's the same kind of course. A lot of throws, a lot of par fours with not a lot of OB. And it's just what we get. And that really stinks. Um, and I, I think there are potential better ways, but I do have some positives if we can get into that, unless you wanted to say anything more about specifically this. Round. No, I think I said enough. Just let me reiterate. If, if it's based off of how the field is playing, that means we're using the field to try and determine 
how hard the course was on that given round. That's what's trying to happen. What I would like to see, and some are going to call me crazy, some will love it. I would like to see courses that are established. We have generally a good idea, and you can have a course committee that comes together and says, here's what a thousand is without any notable like weather or atmospheric changes. Like, here's what a thousand is. When I walk up to Maple Hill, it will tell me the red layout, if you shoot par, is like 930. If you go to the white layout, if you shoot par, it's like 950 or something. And like, that's my point. Like, I would like to see that. Now, is it perfect? There would have to be some committee for every course that's well-established. So that way we could have a pretty standardized deal. Like, they could give a deviation on any given day. If there's, like, rain, they say, hey, this much rain, this much wind, you know, equates to this many point difference. But, and I'm, I'm a beginner here, guys. I interviewed Chuck once, and I asked him if, like, a whole bunch of low-rated players throwing out of bounds affects how good someone's round is. And they said, yes. If I can affect how good Joel Freeman's round is by me throwing out of bounds more times than I usually do, and I know there's standard deviations as in, like, if I go 100 points below, they throw it out. But if I can borderline that 90, whatever, below my rating, it's going to affect how good his was. And that shouldn't. His round is great, and he knows it was. Uh, but give us the positives, Evan. We'll wrap up with that. All right. So if I'm just taking the whole entire uh, season from Elite Series and Majors, so I guess it, it doesn't include this Butler County. I just did Elite Series and Majors. Uh, and we uh, order MPO by their average round rating on the season across the whole season. I think the numbers turn out pretty good in what you would guess. So just to quickly go through it, I'm not going to spend a ton of time, but the top three are Paul McBeth, Ricky Wysocki, and Calvin Heidenberg at 1044, 1043, and 1042 uh, without rounding. Can you guess what the Disc Golf Pro Tour uh, standings are? Exactly that same order. It's Paul McBeth, Ricky Wysocki, Calvin Heimberg. The fourth on the average round rating list is Matt Orem, who's only played nine events. He's down in 10th in the Disc Golf Pro Tour standings. So yeah, it's a little bit out, but he's played less events, less chance to get points. Uh, Gannon Burr is sitting there in fifth. Eagle Man's at sixth. Eagle Man's the same scenario where he's not playing a lot of events. But if, if you're saying that those are the six best players with uh, well, actually, this is a good example. Chris Pinagar is actually seventh, but he's only played one event. So if you set kind of minimum things, but doing an average of the whole season, it turns out well. But Chris Dickerson's eighth, Simon's ninth, Joel Freeman's tenth. If I go to the uh, Disc Golf Pro Tour standings, I think that's like that's eight out of the top ten. And that's including uh, Chris Pinagar in it and Matt or uh, Eagle McMahon, who hasn't played a lot of events. So if eight of the top ten are the same between the two systems... I think that's pretty good. And if you just do a minimum of two events, Chris Pentagars, I'm going to assume most likely not going to have another 1040 round if he, uh, 1040 event if he played another one. Um, he's probably going to be around the 1020 to 1030 range and would drop a little bit. Um, but the, this, they're going to line up kind of similar. And if that's how it works and you're getting the same numbers as the Disc Golf Pro Tour standings or the Statmando official rankings, uh, then to me, it's a good system overall. Mm. And when you pick out the specific ones, yeah, it looks bad, but you have that in all data where you have outliers in the other direction too. I mean, are we going to argue if Paul McBeth's more memorial round where he was, uh, what was that? 10, uh, 32, I think, or maybe even higher. I, I don't have it off. Uh, sorry. 11, 32, 10, 32 is uh, below average for Macbeth. But, but what I want uh, to say is we're compare... not actually saying, we're not actually saying how good his round was in history. What we're actually saying is how good his round was compared to the field at that event. And that's what the rating system is. But yeah. And then when you bring it into the whole year, it turns out really well is my point. Yeah. Um, I, so yeah, you're picking out this one scenario, which doesn't look the best. 
Um, and, and my point is it goes the other way with the memorial I started rally. out by People saying generally, it. and I was speaking specifically amateurs, but generally I think the rating system is good enough to have fun with, as Jeremy Colling said. Like, it, And he wasn't saying that. I'm saying that. But he was saying like it's a fun thing. And I'm saying I think it's good enough to have fun with it. Um, but the hard part is here, and we've talked about this before, we got to wrap it up, is that sponsorships are affected by ratings. And that's a whole nother conversation that I think it would be nice if there was a different way for them to do that. Just base it My off of wins or something. Only comment on that is if you're, if you're sponsoring on a system, you can't complain that it's flawed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's you choosing to use that system would be the only thing that you could say is flawed. It, it's your choice whether you use it or not. I think it's still a fair thing to use across a whole season. It's not like if Joel Freeman got a performance uh, bonus by having an 1100 rated round, which and he's, is and he's, the case. And he's going my to understanding a, is that's the case. That actually is like, okay, fair enough. That's my but understanding, or at least that's what I, somebody's throwing out there. And I think it was one of the pro level players saying that there's an 1100 rated round bonus. Okay, I would personally hope for uh, winning a silver series outweighs all. That's of what I'm saying. Rated but uh, I I don't even know his name. I I apologize. But someone threw an 1100 rated round earlier this year at like a C tier in Virginia. Um, it was the same weekend as the Memorial. You can go look it up. That one, like that's awesome. Innova, if he was sponsored by Innova, he could get a huge bonus. But that, like, no, I don't even know his name. And other people don't even know about this. So <laughs> if the sponsorship's based off solely on that, I'd rather win a silver series can, where now Joel has his name out with Innova everywhere. Can I? No, it's true. And he got he's getting a lot of attention for this win. And the rating can be part of that's fine. Uh, do I yeah, get maybe any, giving him more attention? Do I get any bonus or sponsorships? Because I thought like I shot like a thousand twenty something one time, one time ever. That was pretty cool. <laughs> that's but, like an 1100 rated round for yeah. any amateur well i was so just nice. gonna say it was actually almost 100 over my rating at the time and now we're getting again too deep do they throw out overrated like if i shot way above my rate only if you shoot way below no and that's i mean i could dive into this for an hour and no, i'm sure done. like one of the stat mana researchers yeah, could Kurtz. dive into it too they, they drop your right they, they drop your lowest ratings, yes. uh, but keep your highest rating ones. So that's one of the things that could potentially cause inflation over time. Absolutely. Uh, I, we Steve Dodge wanted me to ask about that when Chuck was on the show, and we did. And and he he's Chuck again. Like you, I'd hang out with you. It seems fun. And I would love to talk and debate everything because I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. But man, you answer questions so sneakily that I can't be sure if I'm actually getting the honest truth or not. Chuck, we like you. All right. Um, <laughs> let's wrap it up. Uh, we were going to make it short. It's kind of an off weekish thing. Nick's not Evan here. just went off. He, he went, went off. off. We already did 10 minutes let's extra go. that nobody else heard. Um, we did. But I have to get off quickly so I can apply my hemp field botanicals. Oh. This is the, the muscle recovery thing in this little pump bottle here. Watch. I think I can get it to focus. <laughs> Don't do that. Well, actually, you can do that in the mouth if you want, Ben. Like Ooh. hot sauce. All right, if we CBD. get ten thousand viewers, I'll put Hemfield botanicals in my mouth right now. <laughs> I, they actually I have. Don't know if they'd recommend that. Well, they. <laughs> I think they said it's cool, but yeah. For ten thousand viewers, I do. It I would do cool. It would cool your mouth down, wouldn't it? Like this cooling on contact yeah, one. I'd make. I'd eat the chapstick. It'd make I would me not suggest fresh. it. <laughs> and I, I feel like their official stance is they would not suggest it. Okay, but probably, probably accurate. They're probably officially they're going to say no, but you could. 
And I know that they have drops as well, CBD drops. Uh, I do not have those and use them, but I think they're very interesting and I would definitely check them out um, for all different things. Go to hempfieldbotanicals.com, check it out. They have the salve also, which is in my hand and I'm showing on camera, see if I can get the focus. Boop. Little container, this is the small one. You're gonna order probably a lot larger. This is just for my desk when I talk about it. The salve is for your more intense focus areas whether it's pain or soreness i guess that's the same thing but you're going to apply it to those spots um maybe maybe even trauma i remember getting hit with a disc from far away <laughs> and i applied it to that area and it felt better um hempfield botanicals great supporter of the show would you go support them if you're already using something else use them on your next one code nick and matt will get you 20 percent off that's a big thing all right we made it and can I say that our listeners can trust us with almost everything, maybe not stats always. That's where the game came from. Maybe not with, yeah, we'll just leave it with stats. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Actually, I think on a normal episode, you can trust 100% of the stats. That's right. And that's right. I'm just joking. When I was interviewed recently by Tyler, who came on our show, <laughs> anyways, when I was interviewed by Tyler, he said, Something along the lines of like, Matt, Evan Kearns coming on your show as stat man, though, is really taking your show to the next level. He's like, like, what did it take to make this happen? Or how did you, you know, come to be? And I was like, wait a second. I was like, you think stat man, though, takes Dude, the show Nick to the next Matt level? Dude, Nick brought no. stat man up to <laughs> no, the next level. No, no. Come on now. <laughs> no, I said, I said, you really think that? And I started interviewing him and he's like, yes, absolutely. And I'm like, awesome like this is great feedback so and i said evan if you happen to be listening when everyone else comes searching for you to be on their podcast i always tell you we'll figure out a way to raise your pay it won't be much maybe a bag of jerky here and there but we'll figure it out so Facts. i can Wait, pay hold more on. than I evan could, in jerky i could have used all these uh, invites that i had to turn down yes oh man i could i could turn that around into a raise yes you could do that right. yeah absolutely you could start your own podcast i think i think stat mando has something on the sunrise the horizon the sunrise something on the sunrise yep that, that, that's <laughs> about right. down it's the opposite but what i was going to say no, is so you can trust us and here's where i'm going for the past six weeks or so We've had a listener of the show who's in the know, I'm leaving their name anonymous, uh, reach out and tell us about all the cool finale location stuff for the pro tour, keeping us in the loop, a source, if you will. Um, and we were right. It was just announced this week that Nevins, the Disc Golf Pro Tour ch Championship finale location, Nevins County, I think, or something along those lines, just like we had Butler, it's something, or Nevins Community Disc Golf or whatever. People don't know much about it. You can go look it up. It's where the finale is happening. My only takeaway is here. I wish that the Pro Tour lock in a private venue forever as the right place. And I mean, make it the right place. Uh, long story short, check it out. The players aren't even sure. You know, they've never really practiced it themselves. It should be interesting. But I believe it was a site of 2012 Worlds. Okay. Uh, one of the rounds was wow. played there. So you got to assume, you know, Macbeth and MJ and a few others have played it. It's going to be modified, I heard, a little <laughs> bit, slightly, all that, because, you know, 2012 is pretty outdated compared to today's standards. But Absolutely. it's going to be up and ready to go, cameras, live feed, the whole thing. I just wanted to say you can trust us when we when we announce something on here. We're not trying to guess at it. If we say it's real, we think it's real. So, But hey, I'm stoked it's sticking in Charlotte. I think it's a phenomenal uh, final location. I mean, the amount of disc golf in Charlotte's incredible. They do a great job as a whole entire city and community, uh, well-deserved. And I think a great spot to kind of have the end of the season. 
Yes. So stay tuned. If Nick makes it in, watch him in GMC because if he wins, we're all shaving our heads and our beards. So you root for him really hard. And uh, hopefully, I'll, me and Kearns will get the spectate him. Yeah, we might. I might be able to. I don't think oh, yeah. I am. But if I do, we'll all three that. up there. That'd and then, um, but MVP, if you're coming out to the event, I'll be there. Please come over and say hi. We love meeting in person because you get to listen to us. You get to know us. We do not get to see, know you, or anything about you, and we'd love to do I'll that. I'll be vending there, so I'll be on hole, near hole one. So intern Ben, just yell intern Ben, and he'll come fishing. running, I'll and he'll vending. say, he'll say, fishing equipment yeah. or for the Northeast Disc Golf Expo. The what? Northeast Disc Golf Expo. How do they find out information on that? AnyDiscGolfExpo.com, presented oh. by Maple Hill, sponsored by Any Seven Eight. Any Disc Golf Expo. Disc Golf Nine Seven Eight. Yep. Dot com. Yes, it's the first disc golf convention in the Northeast. So next year, March I'll be there. 18th and 19th. I'll be there. You guys are actually on our main page. Will... It says appearances Let's go. by Nick and Matt. We so got to get Nick got... to commit was, now. Was I on there? Statmando's on there as one of the vendors. So yeah, <laughs> All right. I'll be vending my at own At some expo. point, at some point, we're going to have to consider adding nice little... Uh, bubble characters or whatever they are car cartoon characters of you guys we'll have to figure it out see if i can find the same artist so it doesn't look all janky but anyways you guys True. are a big part of That'd the show awesome. um all right well let's wrap it up nick's not here so i'm gonna let intern ben close it out um thanks for listening to the show y'all um it was a great show thomas is awesome Re real cool guy um tell someone you love him all right with that being nice. said, because it was so nicely done. We hope we brought a smile to your face and we brought some attention to things you didn't know about. You found some value here. If you did, like, comment, rate, all of that good stuff. We'll see you next time, maybe out there on the course for the playoffs. Ben, you're awesome. Evan, you're awesome. Peace out, everybody. The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt Show on your favorite podcast platforms or join the conversation live on YouTube.